Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show is made possible by our patrons, so if you would like to support us, we're at patreon.com slash two towns over. If you can't afford monetary donations, we are also at facebook.com slash ttopod. If you would share us around and give us five-star ratings on whatever podcast you're into, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. If living in the 80s taught me anything, if it's bad, it must be Satan. And that's- I hope these people die painful deaths. Kind of going between us, but some of the stuff you might be fuck that. That's bullshit. Did you start recording before Ruben said what he said about waking up? No. Fuck. Why? Because that would have been so good yeah. as an intro to this. Oh, sorry. But yeah, this this uh, this fucking that was incredibly good for me <laughs> just now. Did you happen to look at the TikTok I made? No, I literally I have TikTok totally silenced. Okay, well, I can phone. tell you literally what I did is I took a picture of the three boys that were murdered. Uh huh. I took the mug shots of each of the West Memphis three, and then right after each of their mug shots, a, a current picture of you know what they look like today. Uh huh. And I just put West Memphis three on the top, and then our, our April sixteenth, twenty twenty three, and our Podbean address. It's so literally all I want to do. Just wanted to kind of advertise the that episode we're covering this because mm-hmm. that's exactly the kind of case that people on TikTok love to talk about. Well, um, so a couple people, you know, answered. You know, they got railroaded for what they, you know, for something they didn't do. Blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. Not this guy. Yeah. Then oh. some dude literally commented. His comment was, "No context equals no interest." Oh, oh. And where's my phone? I'm already looking for it. Hold okay. on. But he, a uh, little bastard, he, um, <laughs> yeah, and normally would not bother with it, but I, he just got me in a mood that day, and I felt like feeding the troll. And so I did, and I said, thanks for time, thanks yeah. for taking the time out of your day to respond. Hope you got the attention you were looking for. Yeah. And then everybody else just jumped on him. Yeah, that and I have to I have to learn, especially if we're going to keep doing this to differentiate people talking about the subject matter and know they're not talking about me. Uh huh. Like there was somebody saying that they they saw the you know, they you know, they think that the three boys did it. I saw a pixie gnome. Yeah. And I'm like, why, why, why? And she made some comment about they didn't release all the the uh, evidence to which I'm like, okay. Who didn't release all the evidence? I didn't say that to her. I just tried to say, just listen to the podcast. I saw that, yeah. But, so yeah, we're getting a lot of uh, interaction on this story. <laughs> I just said, use Google, you fucking troglodyte. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
But on that note, hi everybody, welcome to Two Towns Over Satanic Sunday still going on. It's like a bad, bad habit that we just can't give up. And uh, this week we're going to continue talking about Ruben's favorite subject. Um, criminal injustice. Who are you? Oh, I am Don. I'm an indignant bitch. I'm a. I'm just a little guy. Again? Just a little guy. I've never been just a little guy. I've been a painting of a little boy. In a couple of weeks, I thought you said you were like a something little. You've used little boy a couple times. That's well. I'm, maybe, so he I'm feeding my inner child. Boy. Don't worry about it, dog. Okay, don't say identifies as a little boy because <laughs> that's, that's there. There is a separate thing. I identify as a problem. So. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a just a goofy little guy. It's goofy guy summer. Okay. That was actually 2017, I'm pretty sure. What? Yeah. Hot Girl Summer was like 2015. Uh-huh, and then there was White Boy Summer. Oh, no. I don't remember White Boy Summer. Uh, well, purpose. I mean... That's every yeah. summer. <laughs> yeah. uh, I choose to forget the summer. And then Most uh, years. Every summer since then has been Goofy Guy Summer. We're just talking about anything to avoid getting onto the yeah. topic, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just... I'm glad that there's enough red and black... Uh, Acoustic tiles right uh-huh. next to Ruben's head, so if it does explode one way or the other, it'll just blend in, and you won't really have to clean up. You see a red mm. tile, and you want to <laughs> say a racism. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> so, where we last left off, um, uh, Damien Eccles had just been given a um, polygraph test. Right. To a which... Witcher oh, man. Bullshit. Yeah. Fuck to me. which the person who gave the polygraph test came out of the room and told Detective Ridge and the other officers that Damon had been untruthful and, according to the test, was involved in the murders. Fun. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're caught up. Make me mad. <laughs> so donations to a reward fund grew to $35,000, which is roughly $72,000 in 2022. Uh, keep in mind that this was one of the poorest areas in America. Yeah. That amount of money could be a windfall for anyone, much less the citizens of West Memphis. So the tip line received lots of calls. One tip led them to L.G. Hollingsworth Jr., a 17-year-old cousin of Damien's girlfriend, Dominique Tier. A call into the tip line reported that L.G. knew something about the murders, that he may be involved in them, and that his aunt, Narlene Hollingsworth, intended to cover up for him. So, Durham polygraphed L.G. the next day, and he reported that the teenager appeared to be... Like, it's almost like economic insecurity is the root of all evil. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can break a lot of issues that uh, you you can break a lot of it down to economic disparity. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, everything, pretty much all of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. including racism and other right. bigotry. That's. I didn't feel like I should come right out and say it, but fucking say it. If it's true, you can say it. Well, I, had, I hadn't thought about it enough. It was a thought that just popped into my head. I don't, oh, I don't worry if, about that. Oh, I, <laughs> no, 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 no. If I have a thought about something that, especially like an overarching issue that uh, contributes or has to do with racism, uh, because, because of this, I'm pointing at my white arm. I, I, so I, I, I got to stop and think honestly. about that second but before I uh, before point. I will vocalize that because I very well might be wrong. Yeah, I'm kind of ignorant. I'll, I'll say it even <laughs> if I am wrong, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So Durham, but I talk about my feelings about it more than anything. So I don't mind if I'm wrong. That's about, fair. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I I just I don't even want to frame it that way. I have my because... I have the I have that neurodivergent thing of though I have to like if I say a fact I I gotta know that it's a fact. Right. Uh huh. It's just I will also remind you that I grew up in the South, and particularly for a good chunk of it in incredibly rural Alabama. Roll so, Tide. Shut up. There, <laughs> there, there, there is still some shit. I bet that, you would hate rattles, Bistro Huddy, dude. There is still some shit that rattles around in the back of my head where I have to be like, oh, nope, that that's a leftover racist. Let me let me, let me categorize that over here in the in the part of my brain that I don't access. I'm not gonna act like I don't have stuff like that too. You right. Know, but I don't know. I think knowing that and having the instinct to, to to do that is a good thing to yeah. have just to keep ahead of it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I learned when I was, uh, when I was first, uh, giving myself the woke mind virus. Yeah. I mean, like for me, I still, <laughs> I still think, well, you did have, you have to opt in. Yeah. You see. <laughs> see, you, you've got to, you've got to opt in. You've got to get the COVID vaccine. <laughs> you, <then> have to, <laughs> you have to be vaccinated. <laughs> oh shit. And you got to make sure you have a 5G phone so that you amplify the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that transforms it into the woke mind virus. <laughs> so, so anyway, it's all from economic disparity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> so Durham polygraphed <laughs> LG the next day and reported that the teenager appeared to be lying when he said he didn't know who the killer who killed the boys. When police confronted LG with Durham's results, LG said that he expected that Damien was the killer. Polygraph operators are so shitty because it's like, it would be kind of interesting and dramatic if I just said that he was lying. Mm -hmm. Would it be the most interesting thing if I put this murder on him right now? Yeah, I think it would. He was lying. (laughs) I think it's more, in this specific case, it feels more like, um, you know, even if he didn't do this crime, he's a Satanist and he will do a crime. Right. So we gotta get right. we gotta put them out. Oh yeah, no, it's it's totally I mean the reason we're here, it's it's a result of years of buildup of satanic panic. Right. Th- this is the the end game for it. Mm-hmm. So detectives next interviewed Narlene Hollingsworth, who stated that the night of the murders, she saw Damien and Dominique walking west on the side of the road near the Blue Beacon truck stop, and that both and both of them had muddy pants. Now, even officers who tended to doubt the cult theory began to give it more credence. Between driver's reports on Damien and Sudbury's interviews with him, Gitchell and his men began to see hope that the case might be solved. They proceeded proceeded to pursue pursue the idea of satanic involvement more intensely, even though they had no solid evidence to back that theory up, let alone make an arrest on. Now, on May 13th, so we're six days from the murders, Detective Uh Bray interviewed Vicki Hutchinson, mother of eight-year-old Aaron Hutchinson, who was a friend of the victims. Aaron had initially stated that he saw Michael Moore get into a car with a, quote, dark man the day the boys disappeared. Police knew that this was... It was was moth, man. (laughs) No, that's a brown man. This was a shadow. Well, as we know, Mothman has changed many times over the years. I, I listen. That I was think Jenny this Craig, is return though. of the guy uh, who had the blood on his face in the Bojangles. Well, you're going to need to remember Aaron Hutchinson's name because Aaron yeah. Hutchinson. Yeah, 
So, is this, um, which, uh, how does how does it spelled? Hutchison. A- Aaron. A A R O N. A A R O N. A A R O N. Hutchinson. Okay. Yep. Done. Remembered. So police knew. Had to say. Police knew that the story was not true because Michael lived near the school and always walked home. And since Bray was already convinced that there was an occult element to the crime, he asked Vicky if she was aware of any occult practitioners or devil worshippers in the area. Hutchinson said that she did not, but a few days later, she called Bray to report that kids in her neighborhood knew something about a local cult. See, this is this is the kids in her neighborhood knew something about a cult. Mm-hmm. And the things that they knew about the cult were the things that this fucking guy was leaking to them. Well, no, because you want to know something that uh, me and, like, two of my best friends when I was in, like, first grade decided. There was this girl in our class that had, like, really, really, like, sunken eyes mm-hmm. just inherently. And we decided that uh, she was part ghost. And we believed it with every fiber of our For six-year-old sure. beings. But what I'm saying is that... In this particular case, based off of everything we know from the previous episode and now, you know, starting here, like this guy literally the day or day, day two or day three or whatever, he had leaked information, critical information to the people who were suspects. Right. Right. So, of course, they're going to talk to their friends like, hey, some crazy shit happened today. You want to hear about it? Uh And that's going to leak down to the kids who were like, oh, it's just true. There's a cult now. Yep. Like. Right. So seven days later, or whatever, you just six yeah, days? Six days. Six, six days, days later, in. some other teenager is like, hey, you were asking me a couple days ago about this cult, and I actually did just hear something about a cult. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, so Vicki Hutchinson said that she was going to play detective and try to find out more. Now, Detective Bray was open to the idea and actually encouraged Vicki. How old is Vicki? She's a, an adult. She's okay. like in her 30s. I Sorry. Think. Uh, and uh, Even an adult. That's what I'm saying, too, yeah. is like... At this point, it only took six days for an adult woman to be like, hey, the kids say there's a cult, though, so here you, here you go. Right. So uh, Vicki Hutchinson began her investigation with Jesse Miss Kelly, a 17-year-old neighbor who frequently babysat for her in the third of the, the West Memphis Three. Almost as soon as... Okay, so what you need to know about Jesse is that almost as soon as he entered school, his teachers identified him as slow. At seven years oh, old, he could yeah. say he could not say his ABCs past the letter R. He could not count past 15. When Jesse scored a 67 on an intelligence test, an examiner reported that he was mildly mentally retarded. And I know that's not a bad that's a bad word, but that's it's when it's a direct quote yeah. from the time period, is, yeah. as long as it's not a Jesse was kept in kindergarten for two years. Do you know who's never who I've never heard complain about the word retarded? Anybody with any kind Mental. of autism, or, correct? Yeah, uh huh. And I'm not saying that as like, oh, we should still be saying it. No, I agree that language changes, and we call it neurodivergent now, or whatever. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah. I just think it's an example of kind of sort of what we're talking about here, but on a different angle. Like, you can go too far. Right. Like it. Nobody was complaining about it, and then a bunch of neurotypical people started complaining about it. And now language is different, which is, it's, you know, like I say, it evolves. But when it's intentionally know. being used as a slur, that, yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely call a motherfucker out for that. But absolutely. But I mean, this is, I mean, and he again, was slow and S- negative association right. 
is real. Yeah. Don't let me tell you that as a black person. It's not. Like, you, like, I remember growing up saying the word black, calling myself or anyone else black was bad. Right. You don't do that. That's rude. Right. Like, so yeah, negative association is real. Words change because of it, and neurodivergent and, you know, retarded and mentally ill, all these things are part of that because it is something that people suffer from. And so it will be used as an insult. Right. Period. So we only get it for a limited amount of time. Right. So um, Jesse was kept in kindergarten for two years and in second grade for two more. But the maturity his teachers had hoped to see did not develop. When the psychologist examined Jesse at the age of 10, he reported an IQ of 75. IQ is bullshit, by the way. Yeah, yeah. total bullshit. But by the, by the also age... Also racist. Yep. By the age of 11, Jesse had made it only to the third grade. By the age of 15, Jesse had been promoted to the ninth grade, but his skills were barely at a fourth grade level. And it doesn't also... It doesn't translate to... Like... <coughs> IQ tests nowadays are still kind of bullshit. They're a lot less racist. Yeah. But they are really just critical thinking puzzles. Uh-huh. And you can be taught that. Yep. So, you know. So, on IQ tests, he ranked among the lowest 4% of students his age. Now, Vicky never explained why she started with Jesse, but by then, Vicky knew, just like many people in Marion and West Memphis did, that the police investigation was beginning to focus on Damien. What? What? Uh, what is Jesse's race? He's white. He's white? Yeah. He's yeah, just they're a, all three they're white, all white They're all white? Yeah. Okay. They were I all have white never seen heads. them, and I don't really plan to, um, <laughs> but they're all like metalhead type kids? Yeah. Okay. So, really, he's just an autistic metalhead, and that's why. That's yeah. why she chose him. Hey, that's why. So, Hutchinson saw Jesse as a way to meet Damien. Hutchinson stated that after the bodies of Aaron's friends were found, Miss Kelly had mentioned to her that on the morning the boys disappeared, he had seen some boys who'd fit their description walking near the Blue Beacon truck wash. Or maybe he was just left behind. He might not have been autistic. They might have just been neglecting him. Who knows? <laughs> well, so, it sounds like he really he fell through a lot of cracks, too. Yeah. Yeah. Even if there was some effort to keep that from happening, it didn't work. Because it almost, you said that by age 11, he had been promoted to the third grade? Uh, yes. And you're supposed to be like eight? nine years old mm-hmm. in third grade. Yeah. So that alone is a big enough sign that there is something yeah. significantly wrong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not an inherent uh like mental health disorder, if it if it's not some kind of neurodivergency. It could literally just be food inequality. It's it could be it anything. literally any literally number any of number of things. things. Yes. And it probably is going to come down to economic disparity, like mm-hmm. we said. But uh, Weird then, that. All, all of a sudden, when he's 15, he's in ninth grade. Right. Most people are 14, 15 in ninth grade. So why mm, he's Yeah, they he's held him back like learning twice and, and oh. then promoted him twice. Right. right. He's still learning and retaining knowledge. At a fourth grade level. Right. But they've just gone ahead and said, ah, oh, it's kind of weird that you're still here. Go be in ninth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's that's a bad. It is. That's a bad. Uh-huh. I agree. One hundo. <laughs> so Jesse's uh, statement about seeing the, the boys 
the morning of at the, outside the Blue Beacon truck, truck, truck wash was an irrelevant and erroneous statement because as Hutchison and everyone else knew by then, all three of them, all three of the murdered boys had attended school on the day that they were killed. Now, she told police that she had tried to ascertain whether Miss Kelly knew anything about the crime. She stated, quote, Jesse told me about a friend he of his named Damien and that this friend, quote, drank blood and stuff. Uh-huh. So when Vicky asked Jesse... Yeah, there were fucking kids even at Yuli High School who were like, yeah, we did a satanic ritual. Yeah. No, the fuck you didn't. I had a friend in junior high, so this would have been at most 89, uh-huh. um, who told me one night that he and his coven were actually going to journey into hell. Uh-huh. And that he was going to try to get me teleported into hell. You know, so I can oh, go for it, buddy. Like, yeah. All right. Fucking I'll, go I'll, for it. I'll be awake until 9 p.m. Uh, <laughs> if if it's after 9 p.m., then please wait for tomorrow. I'm mm-hmm. going to be tired. You just go for it, you know? So, I mean, this was <laughs> at the peak of the, the satanic panic, so. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's always going to be someone who's trying to be edgy. So, Jesse stated that he'd known Jason since the sixth grade and that he'd always gotten along with him, but they did, that they weren't close. The fact that Jesse was not close to Jess, Jason or Damien uh, did not stop Vicky from in her investigation. She told Detective Bray that when the this West- is why you don't let people who aren't fucking trained do police work. Right, right. Uh, so she and even the ones who are quote unquote the people in this fucking now. town should not have police apparently. Right. So she told Detective Bray and then the West Memphis Police Department that she had a bunch that she had a hunch about the killings and wanted to speak to Damien. Or I should say they basically don't have police. Yeah. A- at all. Now keep in mind that Vicki Hutchinson was a 32-year-old single mother of two asking a 17-year-old boy to set up a date with an 18-year-old. She informed Bray that her plan of her plan and he in turn informed Jerry Driver. Both men thought it was a good idea for her to make it look like she was interested in the occult herself by checking out some books on the subject from the library and placing them strategically around her house. Ah, we've created environmental storytelling. Yes. So when Bray provided a list of books she should get, Hutchinson admitted- We've created entrapment. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, that that too, but I wanted to take the funny video game angle because <laughs> the story makes me sad. Yeah. Hutchison admitted that she didn't have yeah. a library card, so Bray allowed her to use his. Motherfucker! Yeah. Who the... F- wow. <laughs> so... <laughs> So always a people pleaser, Jesse did as Vicky asked, and the next time that Jason and Damien showed up in his neighborhood, Jesse took them to Vicky's house, made introductions, and immediately left. Within 15 minutes, Jesse said that Damien's mom arrived to pick them up. As far as Jesse knew, that was the only contact Vicky, uh, I'm sorry, that Vicky Hutchison ever had with Damien and Jason. I would be so weirded out if one of you, like, took me to a girl's house and was like, uh, Josh, this is... Two towns over Easta. <laughs> Two towns over Easta. This is Josh. And I'm going to leave now. I'd be like, nope, we're going to leave now because this is weird what uh-huh. you're doing right now. Yep. And I don't like it. <laughs> I would have been like, nice to meet you, Two towns over Easta. What the fuck are you doing to me? <laughs> what are you doing? So also, if, listen. Like, that's the Necronomicon. I'm leaving. 18-year-old is at the house of a grown person with children. For the context of a date, yeah, I'm gonna be like, uh, hell the fuck no. 
So, so like I said, Je- as far as Jesse knew, that was the only contact Vicky ever had with Damien and Jason. I don't care if you're legal, bitch. I'll drag your ass back <laughs> to the house by your fucking hair. I don't care. But Hutchison would tell First Detective Bray and then the rest of the West Memphis Police Department that a relationship had started between her and Damien. One that was calculated... In fifth... <laughs> one that was calculated on her end... But uh, passionate on Damien. So people just be lying about this man. Yeah. Yeah. Just for no fucking reason. Right. It gets worse. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Passionate on Damien's, but sexless for the brief eight-day tryst. Vicky stated, quote, we talked about a lot of stuff and he wasn't real talkative, but he kept telling me about the three boys and how he was questioned by the police about it. When she asked about why the police would try to accuse him, according to Vicky, Damien simply stated, because I'm evil. Yo, why does Damien Eccles currently today look more metal than any of the satanic church leaders that oh, yeah. we looked up? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks like somebody that, I hate to say it, he, he looks like somebody who would run a satanic church now. But... Oh, my God. <laughs> Gotta lean like, into it, baby. He was a goth, man. He grew yeah. up to look goth. Whatever. And he looks way more see. goth than any goth kid has ever hoped to look in their entire life. Oh, goddamn, he looks... Ha- oh, that's fly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that with the long beard? Uh-huh. Okay. It's flowing graciously in the wind. And the fucking... Uh, I'm not going to say cult oh, robes, yeah. but... He's yeah. got on like a tunic. Like a I black know, tunic. Dude. Yeah, like Fuck. a duster. Yes. Yeah. And got the wind blowing his beard over his shoulder. Yeah. Man, what a fucking... <laughs> Looking like what a G. An absolute G. I love him. So Hutchison stated that she told Damien that she wanted to see him again and to learn about Satanism. She reported to Bray that she expected to get that opportunity soon because Damien had invited her to what he called an esbot. Esbot? When Vicky looked up in the dictionary to find out what a... That to find out that it was a gathering of witches. Now Hutchison ah, later okay, reported yes, to Bray. He does Wicca. Yeah. Now Hutchison later reported to Bray that on the night of Wednesday, May nineteenth, two weeks after the night of the children's disappearance, Damien picked her up at her house in a red Ford Escort. Now beyond the description of the car, her details of the experience were thin. Jesse was in the car. She said Damien drove them to a field north of Marion. They'd approached it by a dirt road, and she'd heard water running in the distance. When she climbed out of the car, she saw about ten young people with faces and arms painted black taking off their clothes uh, and touching each other. Offended, she'd asked Damien to take her home, and he agreed. Damien drove the car, leaving Jesse behind at the orgy. I don't know if Damien is cool enough to know how to go to an orgy. Right. I, I don't think so. I don't either. I don't, I don't think I don't that Jesse is cool story. enough to go to an orgy. I don't believe the orgy story. At all. So Hutchison said... Um, In fact, I don't know that any Alabama teenagers... Arkansas. Who, Arkansas teenagers would... Same thing. Fucking... Really. Who gives... Right. Uh, fuck y'all. I live in Florida. Eat my ass. Um, I don't know that... I don't even... I don't know... Like, listen... I know kids who claimed to be in orgies, uh-huh. and none of the people they said were there corroborated. So right. I'm just saying. Right. So Hutchinson said that she could not. Okay, yeah, Hutchinson said that she could not identify anyone that she'd seen at the Esbot because of the paint on their faces. She could not provide any names because attendees because it didn't happen. 
Only use nicknames such as Lucifer, Spike. How do you know if you saw it and then left? (laughs) Fucking also, face paint isn't going to make it impossible to tell who you can put skull paint on you right now, and I'll still know who the fuck you are. Right. There's a million other factors. Especially if I grew up with you in a small town. Uh huh. And watched you literally grow up if I'm an adult. An adult! The population of the town was around what? Do you remember? I don't remember. Uh, Okay, stand by. Well, I mean, yes. continue reading. But So though Hutchison did not mention it, there was no moon that night, and the police did not question to ask how the scene was lit, nor how she managed to see what she had described. <laughs> nor did they bother to ask about the claim that Damien drove her, despite their own knowledge that Damien did not drive, and the fact that no one in Damien's family owned a red Ford Escort. Motherfucker! Wow. I knew that was going to happen! It's, it's a town of only 28,000. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Today? 1990. 19, okay. Holy shit. You, I think it's actually uh, less now. Probably the town's kind of tainted now. Uh-huh. So on Yeah, May- who would want to live in a place where the cops will just decide to lie on you? Yes, actually, in 2021, popula- uh, it's been on a steady dececrease uh, for <laughs> some years. Uh, I wonder why. It's down to If the police 000. are this incompetent that they're using... Single mom, like, I'm not saying single moms can't be detectives, but I am saying you can't if you haven't been to fucking detective school. (laughs) So, uh, on May 27th... And this so-called expert over here who literally chose a 17-year-old boy to bully. Yeah. So, on uh, May 27th, Gitchell, Ridge, and Allen went to Marion, Arkansas to visit Vicki Hutchison, and then, uh, then they questioned her in Bray's office. Bray informed the visiting detective at Aaron that Aaron had told him that he had. Oh my God! Sorry, we're in a section. This is pre no longer using um, dictate. Bray informed the visiting detectives th- that Aaron had told him that he and the murdered boys had often visited the woods together. I have a question again. I remember A. A. Ron Hutchison. Yeah. What is their significance? What are they again? That's Vicky's son. How old is he? He is the same age as he's eight. He's the same age as the boys that were same age as the boy. Okay, 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 okay. So, um, oh, for reference, by the way, um, the population of the island, yeah, is almost forty thousand. Good, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I grew up in towns that big, right, or slightly bigger. And I'm telling you right now, I've been here for thirty fucking years, and I have seen the same faces. Over and over and over and over again in the same places because small towns are a fucking trap. They're a jail. They're a prison, and you need to escape them, and most people can't. Also super weird, gotta say, uh, population of Fernandina Beach, Florida, comes up as like 13,000, which is clearly not true. And then when I search the population of Amelia Island, I get almost 40,000. So I don't know what to believe. So I'm, I'm going to guess the bigger number based I'm on traffic alone. Can guess too. So Aaron said that the boys had a clubhouse there and that on some occasions they spied on five men who gathered in the woods. Bray said that Aaron told him that the men would sit in a circle, chant, sing songs about the devil, and quote, do what men and ladies do. Well, you know, like, who doesn't? So the next day, Vicky gave the officers an item. F- that- you know what? Fuck this kid specifically. <laughs> <laughs> So the next day, Vicky gave the officers an item that seemed to connect hers and Aaron's descriptions, 
and also linked Damien to the rituals in the woods. The object was And the- you know what, though? Actually, fuck Vicky even twice as hard now. Because you're, again, it's your job to teach your kid to tell the fucking truth. And you're sitting here believing him. You know where he has been. <laughs> yeah. You know where he has been. Yeah. I grew up in the 90s. I remember. <laughs> well, my mom fucking knew where I was, and so did my friend's moms. Like, right. Th- this, oh. So the object oh, God. was a cheap pewter earring cast in the shape of a human skull. It featured that a snake. sick. It featured a snake slithering out of one of the eye sockets and coiling around the skull. I wonder oh, what that's sicker. a reference to. <laughs> so Vicky, that, it's a Harry Potter. It in nineteen yeah, ninety? No, Harry, Harry Potter came out like mm, in the two thousands. Yeah. but that's basically a Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. it's basically the Death Eaters song, yeah. except without the dagger. The, a skull snake has been around yeah. for literally eternity, but mm-hmm. like right. So Vicky said that the earring had belonged to Damien. In the context of the satanic panic, it's the equivalent of the Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. okay, that's fair. <laughs> so Vicky said that the earring had belonged to Damien and that she had it because he dropped it while visiting her at her house. Because he thought it was rad, and it is, right? She said that when Aaron saw it, he told her that it was exactly like the one worn by one of the men he'd seen chanting in the woods. Lies. On Wednesday, June 2nd... Or maybe he did see them chanting in the woods, but they were probably playing a fucking D&D session, LARPing or some <laughs> nonsense. Uh, also, teenagers just like rad shit like that. Like, yeah. uh, I had one of my fucking favorite possessions when I was a kid was uh, in Eraser, like a pencil topper eraser yep. that was uh, like the Grim Reaper with the hood and the That's skull dope. face and everything. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Dope. Uh-huh. That's dope as hell. I fucking loved that thing. I didn't. I never used it to erase anything because I didn't want it to go away. <laughs> nice. So on Wednesday, June second, they decided to polygraph Hutchison, and Durham reported that she was telling the truth. Fuck off. So to Gary Gitchell, this news was the final piece of the puzzle. From then on, his sole focus was Damien Eccles. Now Jesse was unaware as the first month uh, since the murders passed. Meanwhile, the murderer, probably the Bojangles guy, long fucking gone. <laughs> yeah. It's, didn't you say it's probably not actually the Bojangles guy, though? He is on a very sh- short list of still possible uh, suspects. Okay. But of the possible suspects, he is the least credible one. Okay. There but we do other... now know who he is? No. No, They really? never found out who the Bojangles, Mr. Bojangles was. Yep. Mr. Boge, I knew that going in. <laughs> I, you know, and you did say that last week. But in the context of what I know right now, it's the Bojangles guy. <laughs> so follow me along on this journey, audience. <laughs> so Jesse was unaware as the first month since the murders passed that his neighbor was talking to the police about him in relation to the murders. In fact, he was surprised when he heard it all uh, that Vicky had been saying, particularly in regards to the Esbit slash orgy in the woods. He said that the trip never happened, and besides... What? No way. Everyone knew that Damien couldn't drive. What? No way! However, certain parts of his story did match up with Vicky's. For example, Jesse said Hutchinson asked him to introduce her to Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin. He found the request odd in light of their age, but he liked to help her out. But he liked to help her out. The next time he saw Damien and Jason, he told them that she wanted to meet them and brought them to her trailer... Jesse did not know uh, that Hutchinson was in contact with Detective Ray or that Hutchinson believed that... I'm having a hard time focusing today. I'm sorry. It's okay. They uh, created entrapment. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, she, he did not know that uh, Hutchinson was in contact with Detective Ray or that Hutchinson believed uh, that she was doing under... 
or that Hutchison believed that she was doing undercover work for Bray. He Fucking was, Jesus. Bray is the detective? Yes, one of the detectives. Which one is the expert? That was Jerry Driver. Jerry Driver can eat my ass. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> you know what? You know what, Jerry Bird Driver? Cheats. I'm going to come in your face. <laughs> okay. Suck a fart right out of my ass. Directly out of it. Um, he was not... He was not aware that by the end of May that the West Memphis police considered Damien a suspect. He was so unaware of the circumstances. Uh, I'm going to find his address, which is super easy to do, and I'm just going to send him a photocopy of me flicking him off. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, just uh, flipping through pictures. It's like that's somebody who is fully spreading apart their ass cheeks Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. the words eat it written on it. Drink it in, as it were. (laughs) So he was so unaware of the circumstances were closing in around him that on the night of June 2nd, four weeks exactly after the night of the boy's disappearance, Jesse agreed to stay at Hutchinson's house because her boyfriend was at work and she had had reports of prowlers in the neighborhood. According to both Jesse and... Fuck off with that. That's predator behavior. I was going to say, also, what the fuck is this, like, MILF porn setup? (laughs) And but, again, they're targeting somebody who is probably mentally re- um, what? Uh, fuck, my brain just short circuited. Holy shit! Neurodivergent. They're like yeah. an autistic person. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. This is this is grooming. What the fuck? So, according to both Jesse and Hutchinson, Jesse slept on the couch with a gun nearby. Uh, nearby. Now, Jesse awoke the next. I don't believe anything she says anymore. <laughs> Jesse awoke the next morning to his father knocking on Vicky's door. Yeah! When Jesse answered, his father was standing there with Detective Sergeant Mike Allen. Jesse's father told him that Detective Allen wanted to speak with him. Since Allen was with his dad, Jesse agreed, and at 9.45 a.m., he rode with Allen to the police station. Oh, boy. Allen explained that he wanted to ask Jesse some questions about the murders. Nah, I already know where the fuck this is going. You could skip like the next two pages. <laughs> no, I can't. I know I know you can't. Jesse's... I know you actually can't. But uh, I've yeah. seen it <laughs> enough fucking times. I know exactly what happens at this police station. By then, But Jesse stated, by then he told me he couldn't ask me no questions without my dad signing papers. By the way, I'm reading verbatim. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, all yeah. good. Please do. Uh, I told him my dad wouldn't have a problem with that, so we left the police station to go where my dad was at. While he was on the way, he told me if I knew any anything, if I knew anything, that there would be a $35,000 reward. And if I could help him out, we'd get the money. We met my dad down on the service road, and I talked to my dad about it. He said I knew if I knew anything to tell the police and then my dad could buy a new truck. We went back to the police station and I just told them what I knew about the kids I'd seen on the side of the service road and what my friends told me. That's all I knew and that's when they gave me a polygraph. So now it's important to note that Jesse was still a minor. So his father, without consulting an attorney, signed the form to give the police permission to polygraph Jesse. I swear they had like just gotten the budget for their polygraph machine <laughs> Probably. and they were like we just need to use this on everything and everyone <gasps> a high profile case mm-hmm. man we're gonna get some mileage out of that polygraph so uh jesse miss kelly senior did not however sign a form agreeing to let jesse jr waive his constitutional rights according to police records jesse was read his rights twice within the next hour once at 11 a.m. by Detective Ridgen and and blah, and Allen, and again at 11.30 by Bill Durham, the department's polygraph expert. 
Now, Ridge reported that Jesse said he understood and signed the Miranda form. Jesse later recalled about the polygraph test, quote, Mike Allen, Gary Gitchell, and Bryn Ridge. They were in another room. Bill Durham asked me some questions and I answered him. He asked me, did I know who killed them? I told him no. He asked me, what would I tell him the truth? I told him yes. He asked me, did I ever do drugs? I told him no. He asked me three times over and over and over. And then when I was through, he told me I was lying. I told him, okay, I've done drugs before. He, he said, I know you have because I, I've seen you sell them. And that's what really got me mad because I told him I'd never sold drugs. I used them, but I ain't never sold them. That's when he told me I was lying. He told me that my brain was telling him so. Now, Durham came out of the interview and announced, quote, he's lying his ass off. If there is an afterlife, I want to become a spirit of vengeance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like dead ass. Yeah. These people will be long dead by then. And they'll also be spirits. Ah, gotcha. You can be like RPID or RIPD. No, I can't. <laughs> no, I cannot. Why? Because fuck that film. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it has Ryan Reynolds. There is some. Don't saving, care. Uh, so does the Green Lantern film. Ooh, leave leave that alone. Put it back. Can't do it. Put that thing right back where it came from or so help me. What are you going to do? Bring up Avatar? <laughs> <laughs> I told you I identify as a problem. I like that Not movie. Not in my house. Aang is such a cool character, though. Don't you mean Ong? I mean, See? Aang. That's... That's what he meant to do to me, yeah, that's what I and meant you to didn't do. have to enable it. <laughs> so anyways, so Jesse later said that Durham had insisted... <laughs> Jesse later said that Durham had insisted his polygraph machine could read people's minds. Absolutely. Jesus Christ. Oh. Jesse continued, quote, then Gitchell came and got me and took me to another room, and that's... I hope these people die painful deaths. <laughs> Not necessarily... Long ones or nothing, just just painful. They deserve that. Like maybe an alligator chewing your nuts off. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. In a phone booth. Why a phone booth? Because then you can't get away. I don't know if you could get away from an alligator anyway. Oh, really. You totally can. They're actually the the thing about alligators is if you dodge the alligator's first attempt to get you, and you get more than a few feet away, alligator ain't gonna chase you. They're lazy. So, Jesse can too. They can chase you. Yeah. And if they decide they to, they're faster than you. Right. They're actually not all that fast. No, alligators are pretty goddamn fast. Yeah, but not faster than the average human can run. I'm looking it up. Go for it. In the water for I sure. I love how we're doing anything to keep from talking about the subject. <laughs> at I don't want to talk about it anymore. Oh, uh, so the whole time. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. put alligator speed and see what happens. <laughs> alligator speed on land. On land is very important because yeah. they're going to catch you in the water. No no doubt. Not going to argue that. So Jesse said, uh, then get your Alligators can reach speeds of up to 35 miles per hour on land. What? In the water, an alligator can reach top speed of 20 miles per hour. It's actually faster on land. There you go. It's a lizard. Lizards are fast. They sprint. They get real tired real fast. But if it's close enough, it'll catch you. Mm. They usually won't, though. Is the nah, thing. for they, sure. They're they're big lazy fucks. Uh, they are big lazy fucks because again, they are lizards. Lizards are lazy. They want to lay on rock. That's it. Yeah. So Jesse continued. Gitchell came and got me and took me to another room, and that's when he started talking to me. 
the whole time, the same questions. Yeah, I'm a real Floridian, buddy. I know shit about alligators. (laughs) The same question that he'd already asked me, and they kept asking over and over again. Did did you ever get a zigzag class? Yeah. But okay, th- okay. And then they tested that on MythBusters. Oh yeah, it don't work. Fake. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's actually where I got what I was just saying about how if you dodge an alligator's initial lunge, it, yeah. it nine times out of ten is not going to chase you. Yeah. You are not worth a chase to an alligator. Alligators are like the shitty cheetahs of the water. Uh huh. Are you hot, Don? You want me to turn the AC hot, down yeah. some? Yeah. A little bit, please. I got you. I'm about uh, to go oh, oh you get to escape, this. huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when Gitchell asked me what the boys looked like, I told him all the stuff I'd heard. I kept telling Gary Gitchell I wanted to go home. I hate him. I hate him so much. I'm sorry. I hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> Gary Gitchell? Pull up, bitch. <laughs> more like Gary. Yes, thank you, Josh. Josh just said more like Gary Bitchell, and I'm for it. <laughs> so he said I could go home in a minute. Then he kept asking me the same questions over and over again. From the point it from that point, it just got rougher on down. They asked me how did I know so much about the murder if I didn't do it. I kept telling them I didn't know who did it. I just know of it. What my friend told me, but they kept hollering at me. Gary Gitchell and Brent Brenridge, both. They kept saying they knew I had something to do with it because other people done told them. After I told them what the boys were wearing, Gary Gitchell told me was any of them tied up. That's when I went along with him. I repeated what he told me. I said, yes, he was tied up. He asked me what was they tied up with. I told him a rope. He got mad and said, God damn it, Jesse, don't mess with me. He said, no, that they were tied up with shoestrings. I had to go all through the story again until I got it right. They hollered at me until I got it right. So whatever he was telling me, I started telling him back. But I figured something was wrong because if I killed them, I'd have known I'd have known how I'd done it. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Jesse, they targeted you, man. Oh, you know this, man. Fuck <laughs> it. You know what the fuck they did. God, I'm so mad. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, okay, bye, buddy. Oh, sorry, I buddy. I was loud. So far... <laughs> Get ready to... Everybody listening right now, cover your ears. Because so far, none of the interviews, nor the polygraph with Jesse, had been recorded. (laughs) I am not at my own house, which means I cannot punch things. (laughs) But I want everyone to know that I want to real bad. Yeah. Um, According to Jesse, the whole thing hinged upon a picture that Gitchell drew. It was a circle with three dots in the middle. The circumference of the circle was surrounded by a number of X's. As Jesse recalled the exchange, Gitchell pointed to the dots and said, this is you, Damien, and Jason. The X is the police all around you. You can be in the circle or you can be out. I said I wanted to be out. As police continued to interrogate Jesse without attorneys or his parents present, Jesse began making accusatory statements about Damien and Jason. Ridge wrote that Jesse began to say something, but then stopped and stated he didn't want to be a part of it. Jesse's reluctance was fleeting, though. Following that statement, Jesse reportedly told the detectives the following information. Now, keep in mind, we only have the detectives' notes to go on at this point. There was no other documentation made of the early interviews. Jesse supposedly stated that he'd seen a picture of the murdered boys at a meeting of a satanic cult. That all meetings are held on Wednesdays that the group has had meetings in Robin Hood Hills, and that uh, that at the meetings, members built fires of paper and wood and stuff 
and someone brings a dog and they usually kill it and eat parts of it. Now, the animal killings were part of the ritual that on a Wednesday, the boys on the Wednesday, the boys were killed. There was no meeting that a friend of Jason's would bring a briefcase containing a couple of guns and drugs, marijuana and cocaine. But the picture he'd seen of the three victims standing in front of a home he'd come had come from the briefcase. Then he didn't know who that he didn't know who had the briefcase now that Jason, Oh my God. Sorry. That Jason and Damien are having sex with each other. That Jason has a folding knife that Damien had watched boys in the woods uh, where they were killed. And that Damien and Jason had called him three times about the murders once the day before again on the morning of, and a third time soon after the murders after dark. I cannot. I well, I can. I cannot fucking believe how malicious this all is. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I know we've talked about the fucking literal witch hunts. Uh huh. And like actual Nazi scientists. It's somehow less malicious, right? Yeah. I, because yeah. these people know it's wrong. Right. They know it. It's they have the benefit of you know a uh, hundred years. Yeah. Or well, I mean, since the Salem witch trials, a couple hundred. Right. Yeah. They but, know. Yeah. They know. It just really is. How did it get this fucking far? Not only that, but they know the police work is so fucked. They know it. You know what I mean? They're doing these things purposefully, like interviewing them, not at the police station, not reading them their rights when they should have, then extra reading their rights later just to make sure. And then faking polygraphs, literally. Yeah. Go letting a civilian person do an undercover operation and in order to target a specific group of teenagers. Yeah. And then taking their word for it. Right. With any, zero evidence. Yeah, with zero evidence. Aside from a fucking earring that Not you probably even, could have bought at Spencer's Gifts at the She time. definitely right. bought it from Walmart, literally. Like, it's... I cannot fathom how it's not incompetence no no and when it's not incompetence it is malicious yeah there we've seen a fair share of incompetence already from this case this is not incompetent this is intentional you know what i think gets me over the over the salem witch trials and the nazi propaganda and the Nazi doctor or whatever, like, it's literally just because it's so targeted. Yeah. Like, for the witch trials and the Nazis, it was just pretty much fucking random. Yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you were Jewish or any other thing other than a Nazi, you could be targeted. And you were, often. And it was basically indiscriminate. Not literally, but you know what I'm saying, though. Right. Six million people. It's literally discriminate, but among that discriminated among, right. populace, it is right. indiscriminate. Indiscriminate, just genocide. Yeah. And then, but like, 
or or it's indiscriminate in that it's literally anybody in the town who gets accused, regardless of if they've accused somebody else and been a victim before or not or whatever. Right. Anybody can go there on the was, chopping block. It, yeah, during the Salem witch trials, we saw it. There, there was no – nobody was safe because of their title. Yeah, and by uh, indiscriminate with the Nazi doctor too. themselves. I mean like in that camp, if you were in that camp, you had no way of knowing where you were going to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have no idea whether you're going to go to Mengele or the other guys with the fucking gas chamber. Like it's it's ju- it's just random violence against a group of people. And like this is not that. This is a very targeted, very purposeful attack on children, and I can't understand how it got here. Like I can't understand how these adult people in modern times were allowed themselves to literally witch hunt three young boys. Yep. And I mean, uh, we can understand why though. It's, it's everything that this series has led us up to. Granted, we, uh, kind of skipped over McMartin and we'll be going back to it. But, um, this is the big awful thing that really the McMartin preschool trials set the stage for they they set the precedent I, for belief said in this that, reality. I've always said that the West Memphis Three case was the last sacrifice of the Satanic Panic. Yeah. I, yes. Yeah. Exactly. That that's what that's why I keep saying it's the end game right. of the Satanic Panic. This I really is think what it's, the culture of it led to. Right. What did you say a second ago? Oh man, it's like I can understand it in bullet points, sure. but I do not understand I the can't motivations understand it on an individual level. Right? What made you like? I understand. Like, I don't know. I just can't understand that people who should know without a beyond a shadow of a doubt yeah. to use legal language, they should know already that the way these teens have been acting is not out of the norm for any fucking teenager. And that the way these teenagers have been acting is not out of the norm for people who are innocent. Yeah. Who don't know about the things you're asking them about. Go find somebody else. Clearly, they didn't fucking do it. No, it's a... But you're... But... oh, It's the classic quintessential case of the police already know who they want to have done this. Right. Yeah. And And I know... they're, They're going to stop at nothing... To in- create evidence, create a scenario in which they can try them and convict them for it. It, and I un- I get that. Like as a black man, I yeah. do get that. Like it's, but but racism, I know why. Right. You know, I understand both the the hatred and fear motivations, and I understand the economic and political motivations of it it's very clear-cut it's very easy to understand this i can't because it is like morally i don't it's like the same way i don't really understand if evangelical conservatives right like you know that the the man you're talking about jesus the christ literally (laughs) preached the opposite of what you are doing both socially and politically right how can you say that you are a Christian if you do not follow the Christ? How? You know, like I don't I don't understand how people can be that that per, like 
stupid. Willfully ignorant. Yeah, which is just stupid. <sighs> well, it's... Uh, it's a thing that I came to terms with a long time ago, I think, and it's just that I I can't let myself believe that some people are just rotten. Like, it's not inherent. People are—nobody is born bad. So it's an issue of nurture, and they're nurtured by hateful, rotten people people who became hateful and rotten through whatever it's cyclical right and it does not matter that it's christianity it does not matter that they will turn whatever their basic system of belief their explanation for the world around them they will turn it into a way to excuse doing whatever they in their twisted way, think is, quote-unquote, right. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I will simply put forth, I don't think... I I saw an explanation from a guy doing, like, a TED Talk the other day, Uh and he was saying that children are not blank slates. You are born... That's true. You are born with an amalgamation of hundreds or more uh, traits that you get from your ancestry tree, basically. Right. And sh- the mixture of those traits makes you a unique individual, so nothing about that has changed. And you can absolutely learn and be nurtured to, you know, move into more of those traits, more of the good traits than the bad traits and things like right. that. So I'm not saying that it's... No, you in, know, any time that I assert that something is but uh, i agree with you is na- nature or is more nurture than nature Kinda. there is still in it yeah it's always a spectrum so there is always it's like you get a computer and what you use the computer for is what you end up being right and like i feel like too sometimes and i don't know why but some people they get a broken computer uh-huh and they go bad yeah. And this is not one of those times. A broken computer is just any computer that's regularly used to access 4chan? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Or worse now, 8chan? Yeah. Or, like, whatever the fucking other one is. I think there's a 2chan, a 4chan, a 6chan, and an 8chan. Well, I think 8chan was, uh, like, shut down after the uh, the Christchurch shooting. Maybe. In uh, New Zealand, I believe. I didn't um, know that 4chan was still around. Yep. Uh, well, because uh, inherently, uh, I am obligated to say as an internet boy, not all of 4chan is full of evil. No, but it's a lot. It's it's an un... I mean, it is a moderated board, but it is a free speech to a fault board. And so there are sections of it which are like, that's where QAnon was... Well, QAnon was born on Twitter, but moved to 4chan. And because Twitter even was like, when, no. When 4chan started cracking down on all the, the crazy, insane, ridiculous shit, they started wiping pedophilia off the platform because it was a fucking safe haven for pedophilia. It, yeah. I, I was on 4chan for, like, right at the end of it uh, not being bad. Yeah. And I I had to get off of 4chan because I started seeing way too much Nazi shit. Uh-huh. 
And so once 4chan once again started cracking down on that stuff uh, and not allowing quite so much hate speech, all of the insanely ridiculous ones moved to 8chan. 8chan ended up being connected to a shooting. I want to say it was the Christchurch shooting in New Zealand. Um and then 8chan was either shut down or kind of put on a put on ice for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they created 8coon. Oh, Jesus. Yep, which is its own. It's even slightly worse than 8chan. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I I just hate it. Yep. I just hate that it can be allowed. They'll always find an outlet the, the like, same way. Um, for, uh, for goddamn, what, 20 years or something? Like, f- they went to jail in... 95. And they got out in 2016. 2011. 2011, sorry. Yeah. So, like... Yep. Damn. Yeah. And, I mean, spoiler, but... Uh, Damien was on death row, correct? Yeah. yeah he yes. got sentenced to death from the brief Google that I did. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. I had to look up a little bit, audience. I'm sorry. I could not make it through this one without <laughs> it. I just, I needed the spoiler, so I knew what to expect. Yep. And because of the plea that, yeah, I, uh, I won't, I won't spoil all of it. Oh, the plea makes me there. so mad, bro. I know, I know. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll get mad about that when the time yeah. comes. Put it on ice Eight for now. Eight weeks from now. <laughs> So, now it's important to note that Jesse's statement had changed considerably since he had arrived four hours earlier. According to Ridge's notes, this was because he had showed Jesse a picture of one of the victim's bodies laying on an exam table. Wrong. Yeah. Ridge continued by writing that he had left the room, leaving Jesse alone with Gitchell. It was at this time that Jesse first made mention of actually being at the scene of the crime the night of the murders and of witnessing the murders. It was at this point, having recorded nothing so far, that police now decided to get a tape recorder. Yeah, no fucking way. To get a tape recorder? Yeah. Like, I'm hoping from the other room, yeah. not, oh shit, we should have a tape recorder. Run to Walmart. No, no, just to get, to start recording. Yeah, no, I, I'm just <laughs> a little shit because I'm fed up. So Jesse later said that after the session with Durham, he had decided to start telling police back whatever they told him. He said that there were three reasons for that decision. The picture of the circle that Gary Gitchell drew was one of them. The photograph of the murder child laid out on the slab at the crime lab was another. His third incentive was a tape recording that was played for him by Gitchell. After drawing the circle for Jesse and showing him the photo of the murdered boy, Gitchell also played for him a tape recording featuring the eerie, disembodied voice of a child. The voice said spookily, nobody knows what happened but me. Absolutely fuck off. Now, Jesse was not told and would not... What the fuck? And would not know until much later that the voice was that of Aaron Hutchinson, Vicky Hutchinson's son. The segment of tape that Gitchell played for Jesse had been extracted from an interview with Aaron that police had recorded a few days earlier. Ridge made no mention of the photo, the circle, or the child's voice in his typewritten report. He did note, however... That, at, quote, at about 2.20 p.m., Jesse told Inspector Gitchell that he was present at the time of the murders. Uh, we then prepared for the interrogation to be taped. With the tape recording about to begin, he was read his rights again and again without benefit of parental, parents or counsel. He waived his rights. It cannot be stressed enough the importance of the details that Jesse gives. 
the entire 30-year saga hinges completely on Jesse's confession. Without that, the police have nothing short of very weak circumstantial evidence. Jesse stated... And that's not even... It's fine. (laughs) Jesse stated in the interview, quote, he called me and asked me, I guess he's speaking... Okay, speaking of Joe, yes, I'm sorry. He called me and asked me if I would go to West Memphis with him. He was speaking of Jason Baldwin. And I told him no, that I had to go to work and stuff. He told me that he had to go to West Memphis. So him and Namian went, and then I went with him. Now, Ridge showed him a newspaper clipping of the three victims and asked him which boy Damien had attacked. Jesse pointed to to one of the pictures and said Michael Moore. But the boy Jesse pointed to was not Michael Moore. Gitchell pointed to the photos, injected this boy right here. When Jesse answered, yeah, Gitchell said, all right, that's the buyer's boy. Uh, That's who you're pointing at. Jesse said that it was. Ridge continued, okay, so you saw Damien strike Chris Byers in the head. Jesse said he had not seen, um, had not said that he'd seen Damien hit anyone in the head. I've got to point out, too, uh, they don't do lineups, even photo lineups like that anymore, specifically because if you show somebody, like, a set number of, like, photos of somebody of different people, then there's a psychological thing where you feel like you have to pick one. Right. You can't abstain. It's as simple as, as changing the question from which of these was it to uh-huh. is the one there. Right. Is it is the person in this photo? So I actually had to once uh, because there was uh, a thing that happened at work. And uh, police came in with a bunch of photos, and he was like, before you even get to look at the photos, I have to read you this thing. And it was this whole long, it was like two paragraphs where he was, it, it was a long explanation of, if you do not see the person, do not select anybody. Yeah. Because it can work. Yeah. If you do it properly. Right. But they are not doing it properly. That thing that he read me must have said 10 or 12 different ways. Yeah. Just to uh, make sure that anybody of any level of whatever can yes. can get it, can understand. If they're not in the fucking picture, do not say that they are in this picture. Right. So uh, Ridge continued, okay, so you saw Damien strike Chris Byers in the head. Jesse had not said he'd seen Damien hit anyone in the head. Nevertheless, he said yes. Jesse stated he hit him with his fists and bruised them all up real bad, and then Jason turned around and hit Steve Branch and started doing the same thing. Then the other one took off. Michael Moore took off running, so I chased him and grabbed grabbed hold of him until they got there, and then I left. Now, this last sentence was the most important statement of Jesse's life. Out of sheer confusion and trying anything to get out of the situation he'd found himself in, Jesse had just stated that not only did he witness the murders— but he had also participated. Yep. The statement marked the turning point, both in the questioning of Jesse and in the case. Jesse said the incident he described had occurred in the morning. Yet the police knew that Chris, Michael and Stevie had been in school. Then another problem was that even in the self-incriminating version, Jesse was saying that he'd left the scene without having witnessed the murders. Ridge tried again. And when you came back a little later, now all three boys are tied up. Jesse had said nothing about returning to the scene, but again answered yes. Jesus Christ. All right. Um, Sorry. No, finish finish talking about the confession, and then I want to say a thing. So, all right. He said you went home about what time was it that all of this took place? I'm not saying when they called you. I'm saying what time was it that you were actually in the park? Jesse said around 12, but the police knew that the noon was no good. 
So Ridge's next question was, okay, was it after school had let out? Jesse said, I didn't go to school. Ridge corrected uh, by saying the little boys. Jesse said they skipped school. Every detective in the room knew, even if Jesse did not, that that statement was absurd, but the detectives persisted and Jesse said, uh, said it again that the boys had skipped school. He clearly has no, the f- no idea. So Jesse said the incident he described at a quarter in the morning. Hold on. Whoops. Sorry. Somehow I got double up. In this version, he had met J- Jason and Damien in the woods early in the morning at about 9 a.m. And the victims who had skipped school had been murdered by noon. Ridge asked Jesse if he wore a watch. When Jesse said uh, that it was at home, Ridge suggested, so your time period may not be exactly right is what you're saying. Jesse agreed. As the interview progressed, Jesse's version of events grew more and more convoluted. At one point, he told the detectives that after all this stuff happened the night that they'd done it, I went home about noon and they called me at nine o'clock that night. When detectives asked how Chris Byers had been killed, Jesse said that Damien choked him real bad. The police had not seen and the medical examiner had not mentioned any indication that the boys had been choked. Much I, I, it's fine. <laughs> Much less, um, shit, I'm sorry. Uh, much less that, that that's how they died. Jesse had claimed to witness at least one of the murders, but again, that was a problem. Christopher Byers had con- clearly had sustained a profound injury, one severe enough to have killed him, yet Jesse had not mentioned that. Christopher's neck was one of the few parts of his body that had shown no signs of trauma. Aside from a few scattered scratches, his neck appeared to have been untouched but Ridge and Gitchell did not press the point. Jesse had not seen the other two boys killed, but Ridge glossed over that point. He continued, they killed the boys. You decided to go. You went home. How long after you got home before you received the call? 30 minutes or an hour? In an interview full of misrepresentations of what Jesse had said, this one was the greatest. Jesse had repeatedly stated that he'd arrived in the woods about nine in the morning and that he had left there about noon. He said that the phone call from Jason had come at about nine o'clock that night, yet now Ridge was giving him a choice. Jesse was silent for a moment, then he said an hour. The police decided to end the interview there. Ridge noted the time, 3.18 p.m., and the tape recorder was turned off. By now, Jesse had been at the police station for almost six hours. He had been questioned, polygraphed, questioned, and then questioned again. Of all the questioning, only the past 34 minutes had been recorded. Police took a 20-minute break, during which Jesse smoked two cigarettes. Then Gitchell began another interview, and this one he also recorded. The time of the second interview is disputed, but a police report listing the chronology of the day's events noticed it was conducted to clear up some discrepancies um, uh, concerning the time and events in the first interview. This time, only Gitchell was in the room with Jesse. The interview began with Jesse offering a dramatically different account of the time at which he, Damien, and Jesse allegedly arrived in Robin Hood Hills. Throughout the first interview, he had maintained that they were, in the, they were there in the morning and that he had left by noon. Now, after a 27-minute break during which the tape recorder was off, all of that changed. Gitchell asked Jesse, when you three boys were in the woods and the little boys came up, about what time was it? Jesse responded, I would say it was around five or so, five or six. Did you have your watch on at the time? Jesse shook his head. Gitchell continued, you told me earlier around seven or eight. Which time was it? Jesse Jesse said it was seven or eight. It was starting to get dark. Gitchell exclaims, well, that clears it up. 
Gitchell turned to another of the problems with the earlier confessions, in par the part in which Jesse had said the boys had been tied up with ropes. The correct answer would have been shoestrings. Through the, though the time was not mentioned on the tape, a police time chart noted that at 5.05 p.m., Jesse was offered food, but while Jesse was getting to relax, Detectives Ridge and Gitchell, along with Deputy Prosecuting Attorney John Fogelman and Municipal Court Judge William Rainey, were busy preparing an affidavit. At 9.06, they appeared in municipal, municipal Court, this time in front of Judge Rainey, for a hearing to explain why they had probable cause to arrest Jesse, Damien, and Jason and search their homes. By then, Jesse had been at the police station for more than 11 hours. Now, there was an easy way to test the accuracy of Jesse's statements. Gitchell himself had told the West Memphis Evening Times just a few weeks earlier that in the initial stages of the investigation, people were calling and confessing. But by um, the time... So this seems like a decent place for me to say something that I feel like is super important. If you are now or ever may become a parent of a child who has a severe learning disability anything vaguely similar to what Jesse dealt with teach them as soon as possible that if they are ever being questioned by the police to ask for a lawyer immediately because police today will still do this it has not changed and if the police have, for whatever reason, latched onto somebody with a learning disability for a crime that they didn't do, they will do this, this exact thing. It won't be any different. Uh, teach any mentally, I don't want to say mentally disabled because it's partly derogatory now. But any neurodivergent child, any learning disability, any teach them to ask for a lawyer if the police are ever questioning them about something that they didn't do. It, it's it's not different now. The, they'll still coerce confessions out of anybody who it's easy to do so with. So it's super important. So there was an easy way to test the accuracy of Jesse's statements. Gitchell himself had told the West Memphis Evening Times that just a few weeks earlier that in the initial stages of the investigation, people were calling and confessing. But by what they said, they were eliminated quickly. Gitchell told the paper that his officers had escorted some potential witnesses or suspects into the area to test the statements against elements of the crime that the police knew to be true. Uh, it would have been easy to have subjected Jesse to a similar test to have brought him to the Robin Hood Hills and had him point out to officers where the events he described had transpired. Um, the worst part about this happening, even today, is that it prevents the real person who committed this atrocity from being caught. Right. What is it? The first 48 hours are the most crucial? Something like that. Yeah. The first 48 are the most crucial in any missing person's case and any murder case. Yeah. Like, it's... I do not believe... In fact, I, I believe that saying and and practicing, you know, locking up innocent people just to get the murderer is wrong. It's so wrong that it does things like this. Right. 
it's it's so wrong that it targets people with mental health disabilities. It's so wrong that it targets teenagers and it listens to the advice of self-proclaimed experts with no qualifications and it hinges on the investigations of people who are not police and the confessions of the same the se- same said mentally disabled and or learning disability or whatever the fuck he was going through it it is disgusting and it's even worse because you're not just getting an innocent person you are actively preventing you are actively helping the murderer escape right you're hindering the investigation from going where it should be going it's th- this shit right here this 11 hour interrogation that's happened the whole th- thing. this far well i mean yeah you know but you know this this is the linchpin for yeah. the rest of this story this this 11 hour interrogation of somebody who was not mentally fit to be interrogated without any level of guidance right this is what causes everything else and by extension it is why we still don't know who killed three boys, eight and nine years old. Yeah, they were, they were all eight. They were all eight, eight, eight years old. And three that... eight-year-old boys that died. We still, 30 years later, don't know who did it because the police decided with no evidence that they already knew. Yeah. And, and it's, it's something that we, a lot of times, and every podcast does it, and we're doing it now. And by the way, real quick, oh my God, I did it again. I do need to, to uh, um, point out our our uh, where we got the information. The oh, the sources. The source, yeah, is uh, the book "Devil's Knot" by Mara Leverett. Uh, it was written early two thousands, so a lot of the the, the post trial stuff has kind of been proven wrong but at the time that's where it was but for right. the all the information leading through the trials post-trial huh? stuff was wrong there was a lot of speculation on certain people as being the actual killers oh okay that has been proven no in in the more modern times i mean i assume you have that in there somewhere as well some of the more modern oh stuff. yeah that's gonna probably be like the last section that's what i figured yeah. but it's important to note that even now, now granted, uh, John Mark Byers, the stepfather Christopher Byers, he's passed away. But even by the time that the boys or that the West Memphis Three had gotten to the point where they were going to do the plea, he had come around to not believing that they had done it. Right. And the mother of Stevie Branch, same thing. So the only parents who still believe that the West Memphis Three did it were the parents of Michael Moore. They're, and they're the only ones who didn't participate in any other documentaries, interviews, mm-hmm. nothing. They, as soon as it was done and they were locked up, they walked away and they moved on with their lives. But they, to this day, are convinced that they caught the right people. But everybody else. I think that's even more sad because yeah. it's understandable right. that they have to do that. Right. Right. Yeah, they don't have exactly. a real choice. They have taken false closure because they needed any at all. Yep. Right. But it's important that we don't blow past the fact that three eight-year-old boy, eight boys were murdered. Right. You know, everybody. And it's, it's understandable because it is such a huge 
miscarriage of justice. Uh huh. And that that's we, the part that everybody focuses on. Yeah, that to we me, forg- we focus on the West Memphis Three. We don't focus uh-huh. on the three boys that were murdered. That's why I was saying like it's even worse that they didn't catch the murderer because of doing this bullshit. Right. Like it. it eight. Th- I, I said it so many times last episode. <laughs> Three eight-year-old boys were killed, and we still do not know who did it. Right. And for the in, the sole reason, the very first thing was that fucking guy. What was his name? The expert. Jerry Driver. Jerry Driver chose to pick on a teenager yep. for running away with his teenage girlfriend and getting caught having sex in someone else's goddamn trailer. That's the whole thing. Yeah. So the... So to test the statements against elements of the crime the police knew to be... I read that. Uh, It would have been easy to have subjected Jesse to a similar test to have brought him to Robin Hood Hills and had him point out to the officers where the events he described had transpired. Now, during the first recorded interview, Detective Ridge had, in fact, suggested doing just that. He asked, are you willing to go down there with us? And us having a camcorder and show us where these things took place. Would you do that? Jesse's response was inaudible, but the boy apparently nodded his head. Ridge wanted to get his answer on tape. He asked, would, would you have any problem with that? And Jesse stated, not that I know of, I wouldn't. How, how many more pages are we doing today? Okay. okay. But you would, uh, Jess, Ridge asked, but you would be able to point out where these things took place. Jesse said yes. But Jesse was never taken to the woods, despite the numerous inconsistencies and flat-out errors in his statement. Because like Josh said, they decided... Yeah. Yep. They just decided. Yeah. And they just, they got extra gleeful because in his confusion, he put himself at the scene of the crime. Yeah. Yep. So, and uh, well, as soon as they realized they could coach this kid, they targeted him. Yep. Right. Exactly. So they already had this narrative that they wanted to believe. Yep. And then they found somebody who the, who they could convince to do Simon Says. Yep. Mm-hmm. To get them, to get him to confess about Jesse and Jason or, uh, Damien and Damien Jason. Damien and Jason. But then he... No, I mean, in the yeah. interview, as soon as they realized... They, that's why they didn't start recording, because they were testing the waters. Right. As right. soon as they realized, oh, shit, we could probably get him to say pretty much anything we wanted him to, yep. they immediately went hard in the paint. Like, they immediately went in. Like a fucking cruise missile. Right. Mm-hmm. So Gitchell and his detective decided not to put it through a simple test of question, Jesse, at the site while someone videotaped the excursion. Because they knew. Yeah. Because they knew it would blow apart the narrative that they've used him to spin. Right. And now now they're in deep because they have coached him, and it's clear that they have coached him. So if they take him and he can't point out the right areas, he can't do the right thing while he's out there, and they have it on video so they can't point for him and be like, point over there and point the camera at him while he does it. It will blow apart and demonstrate the fuckery that they've committed. The thing that I can't believe is that a judge saw this shit. They had to have seen it. And and they still convicted these boys. These boys. You know, Ruben, you want to know what's way worse? It's, it's not that a judge saw this and convicted them. It's that a jury saw this and convicted them. Yeah. They, Holy shit, dude. Yeah, two juries, actually. Are you fucking with me? There was two trials, yeah. They 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 tried Jesse separately because it was his confession that linked Damien and Jason, but they tried Damien and Jason together. 
Fuck off. Even though literally there was, we'll, we'll get to that. If I were on that jury, it would be hung to this day. Same, dude. I would, I would have been kicked off. I, I would have had to tell him like, I'm not. No, fuck. In fact, fuck the law. Like, I'd, actually, I would no. If I was ever involved in a case, like if I ever get called for jury duty and I'm on a case like this, I will absolutely refuse to leave that jury if it looks like they are going to convict somebody who did something who didn't do something you know what i mean i i I would never i could not live with myself if i was part of a jury that convicted an innocent person the problem josh is that jury duty is specifically set up so that they cannot they don't get to explain to you what your power as a juror is right it is illegal for them to do that, which means you get in there, you get an explanation, and it is basically systemically set up so that even a quote-unquote jury of your peers is more than likely going to convict you. See, Like, the then, conviction rate in this country is stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not as bad as Japan, though. Not as bad as Japan. <laughs> Japan got, like, a 99% conviction rate. Not quite that bad, but it's Actually, still so high. Last I looked it up, it was... No, not no. I'm talking about us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're we're not. We're that not bad. quite to Japan levels, but like we're pretty fucking high. See, and it's set up to swing that way on purpose. I just I feel like it's. I have to mention the exact opposite case of this. Yeah, of course. Which there is are. Casey Anthony. Oh my god. Yeah. Literally the direct opposite case yeah. where they said she didn't do it, but she fully did. Yeah. 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 And, like, that's fair. That is fair. But that's more of an exception that kind of proves the rule. Because you knew it immediately. Right. But you name another trial other than this one. And maybe McMartin. I'm not 100% sure about how that one went down. But, like, it's all of them. All of them do this. Especially if it's the murder of children. I was going to say, uh, another case that I can mention that as far as the court proceedings was very similar to this is Amanda Knox. Yeah. Even OJ. I'm not sure whether that was humorous or not. No, I'm serious. OJ obviously did it, but got away with it. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 no, yeah, no. So yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Amanda Knox is m- more similar to uh, the West Memphis Three. Okay, gotcha. she very clearly did not do it. Yeah, there gotcha. was no legitimate evidence whatsoever to say that she did. But it was Italy's fucking trial of the century. It was Italy's OJ. Yeah, almost. Not that anybody was as famous as OJ was, but I gotta say the OJ trial is a sham for a very unique set of reasons. Yeah, uh-huh. and like it's kind of wild that we might talk about that one day. Oh just yeah, oh like for sure. Yeah, like, you know, fucking OJ wild. is like active on social media and shit. Still, I, like he's yeah. commentating yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. He uh-huh. he really. Y'all know he released if I had done it or whatever the yeah, fuck. Here's how if, if I did it. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe him i know but also like yeah this shit is everyday this is everyday american justice yeah so ridge wrote in his final report during the course of the interview that jesse gave specific information that only a person with first-hand knowledge could have had jesse stated that he did take part in the apprehension of the victims and that he was an eyewitness to the murders by jason baldwin and damian eccles no one i bet damian and well we're about to find out No one had explained to Jesse that he had implicated himself in the triple murder by saying that he caught and held one of the boys or that he was about to be arrested. 
Damien would later say that he was not surprised. In the weeks between the murders and the night of his arrest, he said the cops were camped out in our driveway. They had spotlights on our house. I could not sleep at night. Now, surrounded by the police, he was led away without resistance. Police charged Damien and Jason each with three counts of capital murder. West Memphis police... This is why a cab, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, West Memphis police drove Jason to the county jail and put him in a cell. By now, it was well past midnight. 16-year-old Jason was not allowed to make a phone call. His mother had not been informed of his arrest. He had no attorney, and his questioning by police had not been recorded. I do, just because you said it, Reuben, I want to point it out. Uh, the reason that people say, a cap, all cops are bad, is because in this police department, there are any number of other police who had no direct involvement in this case, but knew what was happening. And should have stopped it. Had every bit of power and, to stop and it. And had, exactly, they have the power to do things. They fully do. You absolutely have that power, and they still don't. They see it, and they look the other way. That's why ACAB. That's why. Not because your uncle is a cop, I think he's a shithead. No, I think your uncle, as a cop, has been indoctrinated into a system that makes him think it's okay to see something and then just look the other way and pretend he didn't. Yep. And so if you've ever heard people say that, and you're like, oh, well, you know, probably not all, not it's deeper than just all cops do bad things. No. Way deeper. Th there's, My, again, sure, there's plenty of police officers out there who are incredibly passionate and they want so badly to do the right thing. My cousin was a cop in Daytona Beach, Florida. And do you know what she told me almost immediately after joining the force? Mm. It's just a gang. Yep. She, as a cop, yep. who, she had been through police academy. She was already in the military. As a cop, she was like, it's a gang. The only yeah. difference is that we are state-sanctioned. Yep. It's... It, the the number of bad cops is probably higher. I mean, it's definitely higher than the number of genuinely good cops. And and but, what I want, I want to point this out, too. When people say not all cops are bad, there are good cops. What they mean is there are cops who just do their jobs. The problem is their jobs are are the thing that makes them bad. Right. Uh, there's a, a great song by a, a lovely man called Pat the Bunny. Uh, it's called Fuck Every Cop Whoever Did His Job. And it's not like I don't love my cousin and want her to succeed or nothing. She stopped being a cop. But even during that time, I was still supportive of her. Because I know, sure. you know what I mean? I know that there are people... But the uniform, when you put that shit on, that's that's your choice. You chose that shit. Mm -hmm. So on June 4th, 1993, Gitchell held a press conference to give an update on the investigation. All local news channels broke into their regularly scheduled programming for the announcement. Gitchell announced the names of the three teenagers who'd been arrested during the night. He said they'd been regarded as suspects since early in the investigation. It was like a big puzzle, he said. The pieces started falling into place to make a clear picture. A reporter asked Gitchell, on a scale of 1 to 10, how solid do you feel your case is? If this is the pieces of the puzzle falling into place, it's because they took scissors and cut them to fit each other. Yeah. So yeah, a reporter asked Gitchell, on a scale of 1 to 10, how solid do you feel your case is? Gitchell smiled confidently, confidently and said, 11. And that's fuck you! Fuck you! And also, fuck you! Very, very Gitchell! Pull the fuck up, bitch. I will. Oh, 
<laughs> Ruben has made my cat flee the room twice now. I think, uh, but actually, just uh, yeah. different cat both different times. Cat both nice, times. Yeah, good, yeah, yeah. great, cool. Uh, Sorry, I will have to apologize to them it, profusely it, later. Anyway, Gitchell, uh, very compelling. Please face the wall. One hundo, pull up, Bitchel, you <laughs> fuckhead. God. And also, I do want to just say Billy Mitchell, just because I fuck Billy Mitchell too. Just while we're on the itchels, hundred percent. I want to say you you saying more like Gary Bitchell really made me think of a Carl Jobs <laughs> video where he calls him silly Bitchell. Nice. It's Billy Mitchell. Oh, he goes shit. actually silly Bitchell, and uh, Billy Mitchell is his case. His shit is falling apart around him because oh, of course yeah. it is. Uh huh. Um, yeah, because fucking Carl Jobs finally found definitive proof. Uh, it wasn't even Carl Jobs. It was in the trial against Twin Galaxies. They brought it up. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It was the Carl but Jobs video But it destroys basically it. every other case that surrounds it. Yeah. <laughs> and they keep coming through with shit. Anyway, Yo, anyway Silly Mitchell was Billy like Mitchell inspired so to me. When I heard it the first time, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but that's where we're going to leave off. That was the uh, original. You're going to leave me like that? Yeah. Yep. What? I mean, that's a fucking phenomenal cliffhanger because fuck. Not that we play our audience or anything, but like the reaction that you just had, you uh, your function on the show. Let me take away the curtain, like I've done before. You're a proxy for the audience, Ruben. Indeed. Yes, that's the reaction. It's the most fun job, and I stole it for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I can't. Also, it does this though. Like it's really fucking. Oh wow! I love when we get actually so need a cigarette mad. right now. For I sure. love when we get so mad throughout covering a story oh, that at the end we get like delirious about it. Yeah, like this. Yes, I am like <laughs> in a dreamlike state right yeah. now. Yeah, I, me too, man. I did. I fucking did the thing where I went silent for a long time. Uh huh. Me, too. Got me mad too. again. I, I, sw- I think we let Dawn read like a page and a half. Yeah. It was a while. Like I remember thinking halfway through it, like I should say something to just not break flow and then i realized no nah, i'm too mad like i gotta just <laughs> oh man so that that wraps up today oh, uh, pull uh, up bitch i swear to god i do want to make a quick little announcement so uh these episodes release on uh sunday sunday at midnight right yes. so technically saturday night yeah at midnight technically yeah. 12 a.m sunday morning right yep so by the time you're hearing this, Ruben and I are planning on doing something a little bit different and special. Yeah. Um, we are going to go live on Twitch for a few hours. It's going to be a really low-maintenance live stream. Um, super low-maintenance. We're super, thinking about... Super, low-maintenance. Probably maybe like a Sea of Thieves. We're pro- something we're, like well, that. Well, yeah. It's, we're going to play Sea of Thieves. We're going to do maybe the some Guilty Gear. basic... Yeah, we might beat each other's ass in Guilty Gear for a little bit. Um, really low maintenance. We're not going to have face cams or anything. We're not going to have quite the mic quality that we do right here. Yeah, for sure. But we are going to be playing. We're going to have chat In true open. Twitch beginner fashion. Right. It will be interacting. You won't be able to donate or anything because I've not done enough Twitch streaming to... Yeah, we uh, don't know how to do all that yet. To Well, it's I know how to do it. You have to become a Twitch affiliate to receive donations. Uh, you have to get a certain amount of subscribers. I might try to do that at some point. Maybe. If, if it Maybe. seems like like if you guys if it seems come like and something drop that we like by, and we want to yeah. keep doing yeah 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 so we're gonna we're gonna stream for probably two or three hours we're making um, the slow transition to becoming online personalities and you can help us do that <laughs> by going to patreon.com but anyway. if you've never had the opportunity to uh, 
interact with us directly in real time. We're going to have the t the Twitch chat open. Sea of Thieves is a very chill, relaxed game. It's going to be sailing around a lot aside Even from Even when fighting. we get attacked, we're mostly like, "Meh, fuck it. We'll start right, hop." Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh we'll be we'll be probably chatting with everyone a lot and um we're going to do that. Uh, this episode releases on what day? It'll be the 23rd. It'll be Sunday the 23rd. Mm -hmm. So um, the next Sunday, the 30th, okay. is when Ruben and I are planning on going live. We're going to go live uh, It probably right around... Um, probably 6 or 7? Mm, no, I don't want to say that early. Uh, we're probably going to end up going live at around 8 or 9 p.m. Like after our recording? After, after we record. I do work at 7 a.m. on Mondays. On Mondays? Every Monday. Okay, well then uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We might uh, we we'll, might do it. Yeah, we'll check, figure it out. Check out Facebook. Yeah, check um, the Facebook feed. Check, check Facebook. I will make a post uh, the day before. I will make a post right when, uh, like an hour before we go live. I'll make a post when we go live, and I'll make a reminder post in like an hour after we go live, yeah. just so you know that we're still streaming, and just so it makes its way onto everybody's feeds. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Sunday the thirtieth. Probably I'm gonna I'm gonna say around. We'll we'll say we'll say seven because you yeah. you can go till around ten right yeah 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 that seems about right no cool. just we we need to be on top I of, know yep yeah mm -hmm. um so real quick I have an announcement uh we have a new patron hey oh yeah, yeah yeah I saw that yeah uh, so we want to welcome and thank Ralph Castaneda Ralph yep you know, hope I pronounced your name dude. correctly your wreck it Ralph nice and just Cor correct correct. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, real quick, I'll also <laughs> announced like the last few that we got. So we got Tess A or Tessa. It's probably but, Tessa. Yeah, but the A is capitalized. Oh. So Tessa. 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 Uh, Irving uh, Villegas and uh, Gorgeous. Granted, Gorgeous has been with us. Gorgeous has been around a while. For a while. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she's she's one of those. She wasn't on the list in the beginning. Everybody else has heard their name so many times. Right. Welcome, yeah. newcomers. Welcome. And and again, thank you. Seriously, um, it's it's totally, like, unnecessary for you to enjoy our content. But we really appreciate it because we're we're trying to be able to work on this. Like my favorite review says, not sure why do. it works, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says not sure why it works, but it do. But, but it, it do. do. Uh, and I love yeah. the fact you changed the name of our fucking To the chat. whole thing. To the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the name of our group chat that the three of us are in is now, now. It's your review, reviewer. It's the entire review that says, that started out with, uh, who, who left that review? Do you remember? It's John WD. I'm almost 100% positive it's my friend John. Oh, oh okay. I, well, I, I, should just, know, I don't remember his middle name. He should know that this is, it was inspired well, yes. yeah, literally the, int uh, the you group literally chat can't is the read entire it. thing. Oh yeah. no! <laughs> Did it cut it off? Yeah. Oh well, oh, we well. know what it, we know what it uh, means. you know what I tried to do. Um, it's again totally unnecessary to subscribe to our Patreon, but you know we're gonna keep making the content either way. But it's we really like it when you do because we're fucking trying to survive. Yeah, uh -huh. we're working on trying to get this this podcast to be self-sufficient so we can try our hand at other things. Uh, and... Particularly if you're one of the people who, like, I think Gorgeous said it when uh, I mentioned something in our Discord uh, channel about uh, Ruben and I streaming. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was Gorgeous that immediately replied and was like, I'm really looking forward to D&D, &D, but yeah, that sounds cool. 
<laughs> so if you're one we'll of those get people, there one day, guys. I swear. If you're one of those people that's really rooting for D and D, we need this show to be self-sufficient before we can have yeah, the yeah time because that we need for we D&D. have to have somebody it's, to edit this podcast so I sure. can free up because there is no way that I can write the scripts for this show, edit this show, and be yeah. the DM for the other show. Well, not only exactly. that, like even if I'm doing the DMing, I also can't do work full time yeah. and also. You know what I mean? It's a lot. And record two podcasts. We yeah. already release maybe two and a half hours worth of content a week at yeah. most. And it, that alone is a big workload, particularly for Don. Yeah. But now that, you know, I uh, did um, 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 a breakup, so I have more free time. And I'm going to try and take some of the load off Don's shoulders. Josh is but... right, Twix. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm left, Twix. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I found the the review. It says I'm a Twix purist. It says imagine three people in a room together. They seemingly have nothing in common. What on earth got these three people together? Monty Python. Not sure, but contracts with Satan might be involved. That's uh, actually true. That's deep lore. Yeah. That is. That is. That is <laughs> deep TTO lore. Uh, yes. Monty Python is the reason that we all know each other. Yep. Uh, so this show worked because of a couple of reasons. One is that it's already one is that it's already interesting topics. The subject matter helps. Two is because this uh, mismatched trio of people have become comfortable enough with each other to just trust everyone to be open and honest. Lastly, because somehow they were convinced that they can still be this open and honest with each other in the subject matter while recording for all of us in the ether to listen in. Even if the jokes don't always land, which I think is a slap against me, but whatever. <laughs> no, it's will, definitely me. I tell shitty jokes all the time. You will probably also be laughing at them, making fun of each other for a crappy joke. Even when it doesn't work, it does. Explaining how and why this works is probably like trying to explain Flat Earth. <laughs> and that I love like, that we have been compared to the absurdity of Flat Earthers. Yes, yes. me too. In a too. wholesome that way. That literally, like, thank you so much, John. That's the shit that, like actually keeps me going when i've been having a hard time like that is that is really i mean i I keep me going because i preach this and i want to practice it i want to say it i keep me going shit like that really fucking helps Uh, none of you are real to me but it does give me much amusement i do love it it's i think everybody out of spite forms the parasocial relationship with you above us for that <laughs> And reason. I'm the only one. I have looked at the Discord literally twice. <laughs> <laughs> I've commented it's... on our Facebook once in the last 18 months. And like... So my coworker uh, is one of our patrons, and he was telling me that. He was like, "It's I, I think I almost form the, the parasocial relationship that Ruben preaches so much against because he preaches so much Yeah, I knew it would it. happen. I, I fucking knew it. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up. You know why? Because I have been listening to the same One Piece podcast for literally since it released. It's the only podcast I've been listening to literally for like almost two years now. Literally, it's been on repeat for almost two years. Uh, So I get it. I get it. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so that's going to wrap up this episode, everybody, because um, we, we're going to record the midweek because I recorded this backwards oh, yeah, this time are. because I figured... Uh, we're going to have a cigarette break, Yeah, and then we're going to record the midweek. So, um, also, uh, go subscribe to Jacob Geller on YouTube. He's an incredible uh, leftist video essayist, and he's almost at a million subscribers, and I love him, and he deserves it. I would like to plug two people, actually. Can I? Is sure. that okay? Yeah, fuck it. I plugged somebody randomly at the end of our show. Lord Ravenscroft on YouTube. Excellent video analysis of different media, mostly books and movies that you liked as a teen and young adult. 
Um, really smart. He explains. One of my favorites is the liar's dice scene from Pirates of the Caribbean 3. He breaks it down real good. Nice. Um, also, he does an Animorph series. Nice. Um, oh, I think I've seen that one. Yes. Yeah. I've, I think I've showed you that one. Yes. It's called Animorphs is a Tragedy. It's really yes, good. Yes, 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 yes. And then I would like to uh, also plug Leo Vader, who recently went bald. And uh, I just want to stand a bald king. And he's really funny. So go look at him. He has a house that floats through the void and he teleports randomly. And I'm actually going to plug somebody. We Uh, got all kinds of shit up in this episode to plug, baby. Yeah. If you want to listen to the shit that we listen to and watch, then here it is. Go check out the Chuttle the Pod guys. Yeah. Fuck yeah. We haven't shouted out the Chuttle boys in so long. They've changed their format, though. Yes. They're now just horror movie focused. <gasps> so each week, one of them picks a horror movie, <gasps> and then they break it down. They have different yeah, dude, subjects. Like, are you telling me that the boys who I said their podcast was already kind of better than ours, they found their <laughs> fucking formula? Yep. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the baby. Chudlers are now a book club, but for horror movies. I yes. That is my shit. Fucking awesome. And uh, expect to hear from them here. Hopefully by Hopefully. the end of June. If we can get yes. through the Satanic Panic series. Right. Uh, one of the first things we're going to do is get with the Chuttle Boys and we're going to discuss snuff films. Uh, which is not as kinky and sexy as it sounds. It's actually horrifying. Yes, it's quite horrifying. Yeah. But um, the only thing is, is I, I, I looked and I think because they changed their platform, their how they do it, whatever uh-huh. it's called that they've taken all the stuff off their page that wasn't horror movie related. Oh, wait, means, really? I loved their Ed Gein episode. Well, I think, because I didn't see the episode of you guys with them on Creepypastas anymore. Oh, no. Or not Creepypastas. The, it might be archived somewhere. It might be. They might have the same issue that we have, yeah. but I don't know. No worries. I don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I always so view these it. as, like, I, it, it re- I know this is a long exit, but we kind of needed the decompression. So, <laughs> exactly. Um. The, We're hoping to save Ruben's lungs so he doesn't need a cigarette. I'm going to still go have one. But um, the crazy thing about what I do as a podcaster is I, my inner self, I view the things I do as ephemeral, partially because of my particular mixture of ADHD and probably autism. I'll find out pretty soon. Um is I just forget shit. It's out of sight, out of mind, extreme version. Like Tony Hawk, Triple X, whatever the fuck you want to say about it. But it is, I always view these as, I do these as a conversation, and then that's done. It's gone. I don't listen to my own podcast usually. I do sometimes, but not generally. I I, I do if I tell Don to do something weird to my voice and I want to see if he actually did it. Yeah. I like to I like to listen to our <laughs> intros and stuff sometimes. I just I really like our, uh, I like That's our shit. that's a thing I do like to listen to at least the beginning of all of these Satanic Panic episodes because all, I want to see which good. clip Don picked as the stinger for the yeah. intro. <laughs> uh, the one last week was Ruben, not the one where Ruben said what was it exactly? Something about touching kids. Something about I like my pedophiles. Oh, no, it was like, I don't want to be a pedophile anymore or something That's like it, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that. But I didn't use that. I used a few minutes later. He said, if you want to be an internet star, don't do what I did. I just yeah, took yeah. that. I could have. I could have. You could have fucked me on that. I will say, I don't think I did on the D&D episode, just for the simple fact that I was just so fucking done with that episode. Yeah, yeah. No so shit. I was just like, fuck it. We're doing, take it. But it really surprises me sometimes over and over again that the shit that I say and do on this podcast will last for a yeah. long time. Yeah. Because if, if people have saved it 
it's just exists forever now. Yep. Yeah. Like it's you know that's crazy to me. Yeah. I forget that every time we do one of these. All the time, I don't think about it. So, like, for me, it's fine. If the shit that I do disappears, that's kind of what I expect it to do, you know? Yeah. All right, so we're going to wrap it up. This has been a yeah, long yeah. outro. So, fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Shout uh, out the plant babies. Shout yeah. out the plant babies. Um, this has been Two Towns Over, and yes. we hope you enjoyed your visit. Yes. Yep. A, pod, a true crime podcast for stoners, by stoners, and by, by stoners. <laughs>